Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teaching professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right. Uh, once again, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is none other, none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. And as mentioned, we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. We uh, managed here in Florida to get through the uh, the first of, of two storms. Uh, Marco hit us a little bit yesterday. Uh, I'm, of course, a little further east, so it didn't really affect us as bad. Um, so now we're hunking, hunkering down, excuse me, uh, for Marco, which is supposed to come in, I believe, either late tonight or early tomorrow morning. So for those along the uh, Emerald Coast here, uh, stay safe because it uh, looks like it's going to pack a little bit more punch. And then I've heard, Cindy, that there's another one that's come off the coast of uh, South Africa, um, and I can't remember what the name of that one is, and that's tracking this way. I don't know where it's going to go, so uh, we might get the knockout punch here. Who knows? But um, I'm staying safe. How about you up in Buffalo? Well, I, it's kind of boring. It's nice out. It's like 85 degrees, <laughs> and it rained a little this morning, so stay safe and, and healthy and hunker down. I definitely will. Um, they're actually talking about, a, um, I guess, a, somewhat of a front up in the northeast as well. So hopefully you won't get it. It'll bypass you and, and uh, you'll be able to carry on as, as normal. All right, we've got a great show for you this morning. Very, very excited to join us here in just a, a quick minute. Uh, Susie Whaley, the uh, PGA president of uh, PGA of America, excuse me, is going to be joining us. And then Fatima Fernandez-Keno, the winner of the Symmetra Tours IOA Championship, is going to be joining us on the second half. So really excited to have uh, both of these very special guests this morning. But let me remind everybody, of course, the Women of Golf is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And, of course, Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. All right, as I mentioned, our, very, excuse me, our first guest this morning is uh, Susie Whaley, and uh, she's the first woman ever elected to serve as the uh, PJ president. Uh, she's also a PJ master professional and uh, director of instruction at the Country Club at Mirasol in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, and uh, she is also the PJ director of instruction for Susie Whaley Golf. So, Cindy, let's welcome our first guest this morning, uh, Susie Whaley. Good morning. Well, good morning to you both. I'm, I'm glad it's boring in Buffalo. I'm in Palm Beach, and it's a little boring at the moment, but uh, <laughs> we're always expecting rain at some point during the day, but uh, it's great to be on with both of you. We, we appreciate it. We're excited to have you as well. So, um, Cindy, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go? Well, I would like to go first, and I would like to say uh, – First of all, I'm thrilled that we're buddies, that we've been friends for a really long time, and I admire you and your leadership and your business skills and your mind and your will and your drive. What do you love most about your job? Well, thank you for all that. That was very kind, Cindy. Uh, right back at you. But, you know, what I love most about my job is I, as a golf professional, um, I get to change people's lives every day. And while that sounds dramatic, it's true. Um, every day that I can inspire somebody to get out and be healthy and well on a golf course, to learn a skill for a lifetime, whether they're five years old or 85 years old, it brings joy to me and purpose to me. And, and that's what I cherish most about, about being a golf professional. Awesome. Awesome. Ted. So Susie, let me ask you, 
um, just so we can put in perspective for everybody tuning into the show, um, you served two years as the PGA secretary um, before you became their vice president. And then back in 2018, you were elected uh, the PGA of America's first female president. Was that in your line of sight or part of the vision to become the PGA uh, of America president? Was that something that you really had considered or had hoped for at any point? No, actually. I, I get asked that question a lot. I became a member of the PGA America in 2001. And uh, in my local section, which at the time was Connecticut, we have 41 sections across the country. And I was living in Connecticut with my husband and family. I had joined the PGA of America, as I said, in 2001. And in um, 2002, I was asked by my section, I, I played a lot in our uh, section events and I was uh, in a round of golf and a gentleman who was a PGA professional with me asked if I would be interested in joining a committee uh, in the section. And our committee system is such that, you know, we strategize and, and try to do things uh, locally in our sections for our members, things that our members would want, resources. And I said, sure, I, I'd be happy to help. And that's really how it started. It was very organic. It was an invitation from another PGA professional to join the leadership ranks, as I said, as a committee member. Um, that morphed into another committee and another committee and another committee. And um, before I knew it, I was uh, an at-large member of their board of directors. Um, I then realized I really enjoyed, I mean, I realized all along, I enjoyed being with those people that were involved in leadership. Uh, they were mentors for me. They became an unbelievable network for me, a support system in my job and helpful in my role. And uh, I ran for the board of directors because I really loved it. And that was, again, in Connecticut. Uh, I earned a seat. It was an election. I earned a seat on our board of directors. And um, from there, another invitation came from my executive director when the national board of directors seat um, became available to try to run for that. It's a nine-year cycle per section. And it was coming due in, in Connecticut. And he asked if I was interested in, in trying to earn that seat and run for that. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know what, I do have a lot more um, I'd like to offer, and, and I do look at things a little differently than those I was serving with um, because of my gender. Um, but I also knew my body of work um, was comparable to those that were running. So I ran for that national position and, and was elected to that national position. And then the same thing happened from there. I, I was so involved in the committee system on the National Board of Directors that when I was done with my term, I started in 2010. Uh, at the national level. And then in 2013, uh, my board service was complete and it was an election year in 2014. And I decided to run for national office because again, I, I felt like I had contributed and was trying to make uh, our members' lives better as best possible. I knew I was keenly interested in elevating the brand and being a part of that and discussions in that. And I thought, well, I, I have more to give. So I was a candidate that particular year in 2014. We campaigned across the country, and, um, and I was elected uh, in 2015, which was – or 2014, and then to serve my first term as secretary in 2015. So it, it was truly organic. It wasn't something that had ever been planned. Um, it was just something that evolved and, and that I loved. And so I'm, I'm so honored to represent 29,000 PGA professionals across the country and some outside of the country. Um, and it's just been a privilege. Um, let me ask you, too, and about your role now as president, because um, you obviously, as you mentioned, you, you, you've had a lot of time to sort of uh, progress to this point and you've gotten to see the organization um, at many levels. What was the vision for the PG of America when you became uh, the president? What was your, what was Susie Whaley's vision? Yeah, I think that's a, you know, it's a question I get asked a lot too. And, and uh, you know, what's the legacy? What's the vision for you, Susie? And, you know, I don't want it to come off as sounding contrite, but it, it's really not one person in our organization. It, it is a, um, a group effort is extremely collaborative, collaborative amongst our exec team, our, section uh, officers, our section executive directors, and of course, our, our national board of directors. And we set strategic vision. We have a long-term strategic plan, which we evolve every five years 
Uh, we've just done that um, two years ago. And our mission is to grow the game and to serve our membership, which is really what that means to us is provide as much resource as we possibly can. We're a 501c3 and a 501c6. Um, and our role is to really provide education, employment services, player development services. Um, you know, we have member benefits typically attached to our, you know, national partnerships and worldwide partnerships. Um, but for us, it's about making our members' lives better. And it's about ensuring um, that we are leaders in the game and evolving the game in a way that's inclusive for, for anyone that wants to be a part of it and play it. So when you ask what the vision is, that's always been the vision. It's really mm-hmm. just how, as time evolves, and COVID's a perfect example of that, how can we ensure that we are continuing to move forward in a time when so, there's so much fear and anxiety uh, in the world, but game has become this, the game has become this unbelievable opportunity um, to provide an outlet to people. And, and so we've had to bob and weave and navigate around some of our priorities, some of our spends. Uh, an example of that is our Golf Emergency Relief Fund. We've given $7 million to the Golf Emergency Relief Fund, which wasn't just for PGA professionals, but in fact for industry workers um, across the game. Uh, we're an $85 billion industry, but that $7 million is, is a huge commitment from the PGA of America to make sure that we were helping those that were dramatically impacted by COVID that work within the game. And, and we're incredibly proud of that. But I say that because, you know, your strategy and your vision sometimes takes right and left turns and you have to, as a leader, adapt and evolve, but also ensure that the entire organization and the brand is always moving forward as best as possible. Yeah, uh, congratulations on that, by the way. I mean, I think it is, um, you know, there's so many people that are affected in, in, in all walks of life, not just in the golf industry, but um, with tournaments, of course, uh, just sort of in some cases just getting back on their feet, uh, tours rather. Um, it's been very, very difficult, not just for the players, but for all the volunteers and all the support uh, staff and, and so forth is to kind of know what's going to be going on. So, yeah, it's a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of mishap along the way, but um, it's uh, a very resilient in- industry, so I know it'll it'll always uh, uh, be strong. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Let me ask you. I know you're so diligent and and organized, but how do you spin all these plates and do such a wonderful job? <laughs> it's a it's, it's a screen. What's it called? Smoking screen. I never have things correct, but whatever that is. <laughs> Um, you know, I think for me, it's a matter of, um, I know my husband's always like, why do you try to say things? You never get them right. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I really just try, Cindy, like all of us do. I mean, everybody has a lot on their plate. Everybody's trying to manage multiple plates uh, in our environment today. And whether it be multiple jobs or family or, you know, this work-life balance um, farce that uh, we all try to pretend is, is a real thing. I just don't, I don't believe in that. I think it makes people feel bad at the end of the day. So, so what I mean by that is um, I try every day to prioritize what is necessary to be completed in that moment in time. And wherever my feet are is where I try to be. So if I'm, I'm going to go play golf with my daughter today, as an example, we're going to play nine holes. I'm going to squeeze it in. It's important to me. She's getting ready for the next Symmetra event. And when I'm with Kelly today, I am going to be 100% with Kelly. I, I, I don't have my phone on. I have it in my golf bag, and it's off. And while that I realize might not work for everybody, that's how I managed to make it work. I've dedicated that time to her. And then when I get back from that, I'll, I'll head to work or I'll do my PG of America business in a certain allotted time. And, and it's the only way that I've found for me anyway that – I can eliminate the anxiety, eliminate the, oh, no, I, I, I have so much on my plate. Where do I even begin? Um, and it, it helps me stay focused on whatever task I'm trying to accomplish in the moment. It certainly doesn't mean I always get it done. It certainly doesn't mean my list gets checked off at the end of the day. Rarely does that ever happen. Um, but I can go to bed feeling good about it. And, and I think the other thing is, um, you know, I try really hard to, say something with gratitude in the morning um, and say something with gratitude in the evening. And, and I, I read about it and I started doing it a couple years ago and it's really provided me an opportunity to remember that I can bring joy to each day, no matter the circumstance. And, and there's been days that have been really hard. 
Um, I realize people have gone through just tremendous trauma through some of this. I mean, we have members who are going through other issues besides COVID. Um, but, but I try really hard to remember um, that each day gives me an opportunity to be kind, to be prepared, um, and to bring joy to somebody else. And, and that, that keeps me grounded. And uh, it keeps me uh, away from, from some of the, the hate and the doubt and the anxiety and, and keeps me in a place where I can continue to move forward. Awesome. Well said. Awesome. Now, is your husband still the head pro up in Connecticut? No, my husband hasn't done that for quite some time. My husband works for the PGA Tour. He is the national director of golf for the PGA Tour. So he is um, the, he oversees the TPC properties in the golf side of the business. Um, he's been doing that, I think, where he's been with the tour now over 25 years. I hope I don't get that wrong. <laughs> Maybe oh, it's you're kidding. A little more than that. But um, he, you know, he started his career with the PGA Tour in Connecticut, so you're not wrong. He was the general manager at TPC River Highlands, and then um, from there he became a senior regional uh, general manager for them, and then he took on the position of their national director of golf. So, you know, my husband is, um, you know, the properties that TPC has, uh, not the licensed properties, but the, the managed and owned properties and the resort properties. Um, is what he does. He's a PGA professional, so we're a, we're a golf family for sure. And uh, you know, his travel has been restricted as well. But um, so it's been you know it's been interesting trying to navigate um, a lot of people in a small house working <laughs> on the phone from the same house. So typically, I'm uh, I'm outside on the deck. <laughs> um, but so many people listening can relate. It's just a different it's a different time and. You know, we've had to figure out our spaces and, and how to navigate it all, but I think we've done a pretty good job of it, and uh, we continue to try to figure it all out together, so it's all good. Absolutely. That's- I think that's fantastic. Um, by the way, Susie, a great public service announcement would be to turn off your cell phones. Um, you mentioned that earlier. Uh, you're getting ready to play with your daughter, Kelly, and, uh, you know, we see so many folks out in the golf course with a phone in one ear and a hand on the steering wheel of the golf cart and uh, not really enjoying themselves. So I think that would make a good uh, public service announcement. Let me ask you, um, since you, you mentioned, um, you know, your daughter, and I know you have two daughters, uh, Jennifer is your other daughter. Um, they're obviously well entrenched in a, in a golf family. They get to get out and, and experience that. And Kelly obviously is uh, on the Symmetra tour. What do you, as, as a, a role model for both of these young ladies, obviously both of you and your husband, Bill, are, but um, I think obviously the same-sex parent is uh, uh, even a bigger role model. When they look at you, what do you want them to see? Yeah, my older daughter, Jan, as you mentioned, she played college golf at a school called Quinnipiac in Connecticut, in Hamden, Connecticut, a Division I school. Loved her experience there, um, but didn't have any interest in, in turning uh, professional or making a career out of it. She really was very interested in business and now is loving her golf on a corporate level. She gets invited to pretty much everything because <laughs> she can bomb it off the tee. <laughs> And um, she's just, she's loving it. And she, she plays on the weekends and um, you know, there's, there's leagues that she participates in with next gen golf in Boston. And it's just, it, she's mm-hmm. just loving it. And I think, you know, what I, what I'm thrilled about for her is the competition wasn't, and I, she would say this, so I can say this for her. It just isn't what turned her on about the game. She loved being with other people. She loved being outside. She loved walking the golf course. It wasn't that she didn't like to compete, but it wasn't what drove her. And um, right. the competition, however, she would tell you, is what made her so strong in school and in business. The obstacles she faced, the perseverance she had to have, the grit she had to have. Um, to perform when it really was very nerve-wracking for her to do it. And she found that that's translated, that translated amazingly well for her in doing presentations in business and, and being uncomfortable in settings in the business world where she felt like maybe she wasn't prepared or didn't have the experience, but she knew she could get through it and she knew she could accomplish it because of her golf. That as a parent is something that, just makes me so proud right it's not it's never been about for my children um having to perform at the highest level in golf 
it was always right. about this is what we do as a family. People always ask me, how did you get your daughters to play? I'm like, we made them. <laughs> and, um, because it was something that we wanted to do together. And this, this, um, this theory of, you know, well, my, my children don't like it, so we're going to try something else. I've never really understood with golf because it's a life skill. And I didn't expect mm-hmm. my children to play collegiate golf. I just told them, look, your choices are nine holes or 18. And um, you're going to learn the game. And we're going to go do it together. And they got good at it and ended up, you know, really enjoying it for, for very different reasons. My youngest daughter loves the competition. She thrives mm-hmm. on it. Um, it's what drives her to go out to play. And so they're very different, but both of whom have developed this great sense of self, uh, which is what I, when you asked me the question, that's what I wanted for my children. I wanted them to understand that they're in control of what they can accomplish and what they do. And only they can choose how to let other people make them feel. And that golf will give them this wonderful outlet to be themselves, to learn how to overcome, to have really great days and really crappy days and, and realize mm-hmm. it's okay. Um, we can, we can do it again tomorrow. And I just think it translates um, to, to life in general. So I couldn't be more proud as a parent. Both of us are, um, both of our kids just every day um, strive to be the best they can in whatever they're doing, and I think that's all you can ask as a parent. Great answer. Thank you. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Where um, is your is, – where's Kelly playing next? Uh, Kelly's going to play in Indiana next. She She lucked out a little bit this year, which sounds awful to say, but – Kelly does not have great status on Symmetra. She didn't perform like she wanted to at stage two. So we were really thinking she wasn't going to have that many opportunities to tee it up um, because her status just wouldn't allow it. But with COVID and many of the internationals not playing domestically, Kelly's really had a couple opportunities that, that perhaps she wouldn't have had. So that's been exciting for her. And uh, so she did get into Indiana, and I don't know what she'll get in next, but she's excited to head there. She's going to head to your neck of the woods on Wednesday. She's going to play in a, in a pro-am in um, Albany and then in uh, Rochester. And then she'll uh, fly from there to Indiana um, with a couple of her girlfriends that are playing Symmetra, and uh, they'll, tee it up, uh, they'll tee it up there, and, and she can't wait. She, she just She's loving it. Uh, she's played and I caddied for her in the last two, um, I would say poorly caddied. <laughs> That's a job I haven't mastered yet, um, but I'm working on it. Uh, this one she's going to do on her own. And um, she's just, you know, it's a tough year for, for women who are trying, or anybody right now, it's a tough year. But for women who are trying to play, it's a really tough year because there's no tour school this year. There's no opportunity for advancement or to improve your status. So she's just working hard and uh, working hard on her game and just going to continue to try to persevere. I think Sophia gave her a, a, a lot of, a lot of hope uh, at the AIG women's open. And uh, she knows Sophia and, and that truly she, she was glued to the television. And I think Sophia gave so many of them inspiration that, you know, it's possible. You just, you just got to keep working. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Sarah White last week with the, the Metro Tour win, so it's just. I think if you if you change the mindset, we work with a young girl up here who just graduated from school last year, and same thing, you know, wanted to go to Q school, had an exemption in the Rochester event that didn't happen, and you can get depressed, or you can just say, you know what, I've got another year to work on my game to be that much better. Yeah, exactly. And Sarah, you know, ironically, Kelly and I were paired with Sarah the first two days of that tournament. So I had a bird's eye view of watching her just tear up the golf course. She's incredibly powerful off the tee. She's a wonderful putter. And, you know, Cindy, you and I know when somebody in professional golf, when you say they just have no fear, that young lady plays without fear. She played hockey, I think, for 13 years, ice hockey. Mm -hmm. Um, She she just – she was aggressive where others were, weren't. She uh, didn't get down on herself when she, she did something um, that perhaps wasn't to her liking. 
she just kept going. And it was just her brother was an unbelievable addition to the bag. Uh, he supported her the entire time, kept her attitude up. And it was just something really fun uh, to be able to watch. I, I don't know that they knew we were watching as closely as we were, but um, it, was, uh, it was wonderful to be able to see her uh, finish it off and, and win uh, the final round that day. I, I, of course, knew it was on the line for her. And Cindy, you and I have been there, and it's hard to win. And it's really hard to win when you haven't won. And she just, she just did it with such grace and, and amazing play that that young lady, you're going to see a lot more of her. That's great. That's great. Ed? Um, Susie, let me ask you, um, and this is just from a, from a hypothetically speaking point, if you would, um, of these three options, would you rather be a player, a golfer, a golf teacher, or where you are now? What gives you the most enjoyment and why? Well, I'm all three. So the where you are now is, is that's what I am today. Um, I haven't had a chance to compete as much as I would like to this past year. Um, I'm hoping to play in our section championship uh, mid-September, trying to navigate that right now with schedules. And uh, that will probably be my first tournament since uh, February that I'll have teed it up in. So, you know, I love having those butterflies and a little bit of the nerves and, and something to prepare for and get ready for, hence my round with my daughter today. But, uh, you know, for me, um, it, as I talked about in my work-life balance, I really cherish all three of those things. It's why I'm a golf professional. I will always be a competitor and a player. Um, it's what brought me to the game, first and foremost. It's what enticed me to love the game was the competition of it. And as I, when I left the tour, um, and had my first daughter, Jen, you know, it was really one of those moments in time. It's the first time I hadn't worked. And, you know, I was driving my husband crazy, and he said, listen, I, he was at Ibis Golf and Country Club at the time, and the Nicholas Flick Golf Schools were based there. He said, why don't you come out and watch Jim Flick teach and, and see if this is something you might enjoy? And I said, great. You know, I was just looking for something to do. My daughter was all of, you know, two months old, and um, we found a wonderful sitter, and I went out there to observe and, and fell in love with it. I fell in love with coaching and teaching, and I fell in love with it because of the people who were mentoring me. It was Martin Hall and Mike Malaska and Laird Small and Charlie Epps and Bob Toskey, Jim Flick. I mean, I, I Mark Wood, Kathy Wood. I mean, I just had these incredible mentors who loved coaching and we're so passionate about it and purposeful about it that it made you immediately be attracted to it. So I don't have a one or two or three as an answer. I, I, I love all three things, including my leadership position. And um, I think that's probably why I, I so cherish the game. The game's given me so much more opportunity than I can ever give back to it. And I believe that in my soul and I'll play till I, till I can't do it anymore. Yeah, that's the one nice thing about golf is unlike so many other sports out there, um, this is really a, literally a game, a game for a lifetime. Uh, you know, at any age we see, as you mentioned earlier, you know, whether you know, you're four or five, six years old or you're 80 years old, you can still go out and have some fun on the golf course. So it is definitely uh, a game for all ages. Um, just one last uh, question I have, and this is just, again, kind of a hypothetical. If golf was not part of your life, what else would Susie like to do? Uh, I'd be a ski instructor. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, really? I grew up skiing in, in, yeah, I grew up wow. skiing in high school. I, I went to a ski racing academy in Vermont called Green Mountain Valley School. I've raced all through Buffalo. Uh, I raced against Diane Ruff, who won the Olympics. Um, I grew up racing against her. She went to Burke Academy, and my dream was to be an Olympian uh, ski racer. My dream was not to be a, a golf professional. And I was hurt in high school and uh, had played golf, obviously, and um, that's when I just um, – but it was, you know, traumatic for me not to race. So I, I would ski every single day if I could, uh, but I don't. Uh, but there will come a point in my life where I will spend half my time skiing and half my time golfing. <laughs> but 
But yes, I will be a ski instructor someday uh, in my life again. Well, you can Very teach cool. me how not to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that. That would be great. Oh my well, goodness! Susie, I did not know that. Yeah, that's it. That's yes. We learned something new today, Cindy. Well, Susie, thank you very much for taking time this morning and joining us. We've uh, we've got to let you go, but uh, we're going to have you back again. And I think what we'll talk about at that point is um, your caddy prowess. We're going to see. Uh, we're, we're going to test the pedal, and and uh, so you're, you're going to have to. That's going to be another plate. You're going to have to start spinning a little bit more, as Cindy said. But um, no, all kidding aside, thank you very much, Susie, for giving of your time. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, go and have some fun today with Kelly. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all both of you do for golf. We really appreciate it. All thanks, right. honey. Thank have you a great day. Bye-bye. All right, Susie Whaley, uh, PJ of America's president uh, for a few more months, and, uh, and then she will become, as she mentioned uh, to me uh, yesterday in a conversation, she'll become the honorary president for two more years, so... Um, she's done a great job and, and uh, obviously enjoys uh, not only playing the game, but teaching the game and helping navigate uh, policy and, and so forth. And obviously enjoys spending time with her family, which is, I think, first and foremost uh, for every parent. Um, so, Cindy, while we wait for uh, Fatima to join us here, uh, of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, she is the winner of this past weekend's Symmetra Tour event, the Iowa Championship, which is a big event of theirs uh, every season, and uh, she's going to be joining us here, and I'll tell you a little bit about her in just a moment. But uh, what have you got cooking today in Buffalo? Nine hours of golf lessons. <laughs> Changing game from the inside out. So true, hey? Yeah, right? you guys, uh, yeah. Now, let me ask you what something. You- I know you mentioned it. Um, <laughs> A little bit of that, but a lot of other work as well. Uh, I've got a lot going on uh, today. I've got um, to get ready for my uh, show Thursday night, uh, first and foremost. But um, just hunkering down. It's uh, it's sunny right in the moment, but they're calling for this storm. As I mentioned, uh, Hurricane Marco is supposed to be blowing in uh, later this, after, this afternoon, so I'm going to kind of play it by ear. So I didn't really schedule a lot for today, just on, on the precipice of that happening. So we'll see what, what goes on. But... Um, um, what I wanted to ask you, though, before we uh, before we move on, is um, I know I think a couple of weeks ago you mentioned have you uh, what's happening with with your boot camps? Are you able to schedule some for the fall, or, or what's happening? Yes, we have November, December, January, February, March, and April. Oh wow! So sign up for now, boot camp. Go to citymillerinc.com and click on boot camp. And that's going to be back down at Orange County National in, in Orlando, Florida, correct? Most of it that? It is. It is. Boy, they must love you and Alan down there. <laughs> you bring them you lots of business. You would think they should, right? <laughs> I think they need they to have should. a plaque or something. Yeah, I think they need to have a plaque of you and Alan in the, in the pro shop uh, as, the, uh, um, as regular patrons. Um, no, that's fantastic. You guys do such a great job. Yeah, you guys do such a great job uh, with your boot camps, and that I'm glad. I know with, you know, with COVID and, and stuff, it's been a little bit difficult to try and really firm uh, dates down on that, but things seem to be lifting a little bit, so um, I'm, I'm glad you guys Hopefully. were able to do that. I hope the uh, yeah. quarantine stuff goes yeah. away. Be good. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's kind of a, you know, as Susie said, it's it's kind of an up-and-down cycle, and you know, I know a lot of the players, you know, she mentioned, you know, her daughter Kelly and, and then you uh, brought up Sarah from uh, the other week. Um, I know that these gals are excited to be back out and playing. Um, you know, it's been a long hiatus and, and uh, you know, um, and it's just been, you know, I'm sure difficult for a lot of them. They want to get out and they want to compete and, and uh, it's just not, uh, it, you know, it is what it is, but um, they're back out there now and, and we're going to, um, you know, follow the, the journey along with them. All right, I'm going to inter, uh, introduce, she's not quite here yet, but I'm going to uh, just let the folks know a little bit about her. Uh, our very special guest joining us the second half of the show, hopefully, if uh, everything goes well, uh, is Fatima Fernandez-Keno. 
and she was the winner, as I said, of this past weekend's IOA championship on the Smetra Tour. Uh, she is a native of Spain. Uh, she was a four-time all-sunbelt first-team selection for Troy University. Uh, she was also eight-time medalist, including 2014 Sunbelt Conference Championship, uh, named the 2014 Sunbelt Conference Freshman of the Year for the Trojans, and Sunbelt Conference Women's Golfer of the Year, and set Troy's single-season scoring average record of 72.79 back in 2016. So we'll just wait for her for another second or two, and uh, we'll see. Uh, she's um, obviously running a couple of minutes late, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, so you talked about, uh, and we may have to, I may have to cut you off, Cindy, if she comes back on, but um, you mentioned about helping golfers from the inside out. That's something maybe some of our amateur golfers may not understand completely. Explain a little bit about what you mean. Most people want to hit the ball and they're not paying attention to what they're doing with the club. And they don't really plan and prepare to produce a golf shot. And they're just whacking away. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Robin Williams skit on, yes. on golf you know, like they're swinging a tire iron trying to kill something. So I really try to help people become aware of what they're doing with the club to be able to hit the ball and make them think a little bit. Um, if you do that, it makes playing a lot more fun and you're w in way more control of what you're doing with the club. So I really try to stress, you know, okay, this is the face of square. You need to aim the face at the target, not your shoulders. And so much of what we need to do is to help people understand that most things they hear from the committee of they, which is, you know, their friends, their husbands, their wives are, are not correct. You know, they might tell them to act like they're sitting on a chair or a bar stool and, you know, keep their head real down and their arms real straight and aim with their shoulders and all those things are wrong. So it's trying to help them understand the proper way to get ready to plan, prepare, and produce a golf shot. So that's what I mean by that from the inside out. Okay. And, and yeah, the, me the, the mental side of the game, I think, is an area that a lot of, especially amateurs, um, really, really fall short on. They're so focused on, and I think you would agree with this, they focus so much on, um, you know, how perfect their golf swing looks or, you know, getting into the perfect position and, and, and really that's not as important as really your thought process. And I don't mean by, you know, thinking of all the intricacies that go into the golf swing, but, you know, having a, a game plan, having um, sort of a mindset, a positive mindset, and you work with a lot of juniors. What's in your estimation, what is some of the main problems mentally that a lot of the juniors that you work with, uh, for the first time, let's say, what seems to be the, the most common uh, denominator, do you think? Oh, definitely trying to to win and score and trying too hard, trying to please their parents. I, I mean, again, it's very, very sad that these people are just, so many parents are pushing their kids. I, I've got an example of a U.S. Kids Golf Tournament um, and this is a little girl that I teach once in a while who lives like two and a half hours away. So this mm. other little girl is, is finishing the round and it's the last group coming in. And this, this other little girl who was already done walked up uh, and now she's only nine. So she doesn't right. know any better, but her father wasn't with her. So as the last group is finishing, she's wanting to see what this girl shoots. She walks right up on the green, like eight feet from the hole while this last group, is, I'm like, what are you doing? And one of the dads was like, honey, you need to get off the green. You know, again, it's like, this is so bad. Parents aren't aware of it. And then, of course, she was very sad because the girl in the last group beat her by a shot and won. You know, that girl shot 37, she shot 38. But you don't walk up on the green to see what they're doing. So it's just, <laughs> it's like, okay, what are you doing? Are you, are you choking? I hope you're blowing it, right? So, again, it's just teaching them, uh, needless to say, what they need to be doing. It's just so sad. So sad. So, yeah, parents teach their kids it's not about winning all the time. It's about sportsmanship. 
and knowing what you're doing and, and teaching people to root for each other. But, you know, I want, I want to win. I hope we all play well, but I just want to play better. So right. that's what I've got you know, Yeah, you know, Susie said something very interesting when she talked about her, her other daughter, Jennifer, who, you know, started out, uh, you know, playing a little bit more competitive in, in school, but decided that was really not for her. And that was her choice. Um, you know, Susie and her husband, Bill, of course, inter- introduced both of the young ladies to the game of golf. They wanted to at least be exposed to it and then let them follow their own path um, as to what level or, or what direction they wanted to take it. And, and that's something that really I think a lot of parents can take away from that. There's nothing wrong with introducing them. I think it's good, and, and not just golf, but other sports as well uh, and, and other activities. I think it's extremely important for parents to expose their children uh, to different options. But then let them dictate based on um, their exposure to those games like golf where they want to go. And even if they're not the best golfer at that point or they don't show necessarily a lot of skills, at least let them explore that um, to whatever level they want. And they're, they're, gonna, they're pretty good judge. They'll know themselves if they've got what it's going to take to compete out there. Um, but you're exactly right. That's an area, and I know we've talked about this many times before, that where a, a lot of parents just really push, 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 and uh, a lot of times the, um, you know, the youngsters just decide after a while that this is not for me, and and actually end up turning away from the game um, for for many many years. And you know, some might take it back up again later in life, but you know, the parents just I, I think just become. Um, I don't know whether it's trying to live vicariously through their child's eyes um, or what it is, but, um, you know, a lot of these youngsters, they get out there and they're just so competitive. And uh, as far as this young lady you were referring to, um, I don't know, maybe she was trying to put her foot over the hole or something, <laughs> hope the putt wouldn't go in. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you've got you've to teach them, um, you know, to obviously love the game, but you've got to teach them, uh, uh, you know, to, to just go out there and, and have some fun and, and just do the best that they can and not, uh, and not to, you know, push them and push them so much to the point where they no longer enjoy it. And we've seen that uh, time and time again. I know you have particularly working with a lot of juniors. Um, it, it's not, uh, it's not something. And, it, and it's hard for you, Cindy, is that correct? You know, as a teacher too, because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to help them navigate their journey and sometimes the parents get in the way, right? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So again, it's, it's like Susie said, we've got three children and you have to expose the game to them. I think the game is one of the best personal development programs you could put your child into. And again, you know, we've got three children and only one is really good at playing, but the other one mm-hmm. works at the golf channel and the other one plays right. recreationally, you know, and works at a bank. So I, again, um, it just depends, but it's true that you need to teach these young children how to manage emotions, focus, thought control, be self, you know, reliant and self-sufficient and dominant. Again, and, and the funny thing is, is these two kids are one just turned eight and one just turned nine, and you know, to shoot thirty-seven and thirty-eight in nine-hole tournament is pretty darn good. So again, yep. it's maneuvering, playing out, you know, on their own, and it's just such a great learning atmosphere, you know, for kids. The bad news is that sometimes the parents, you know, don't um, agree with me, and if they don't, then they can go somewhere else, and some of them do, but I have to expose the truth to them, you know, I just in a loving way, but you have to mm-hmm. share the truth. So. That's how yeah, I and, feel about and, it. No, and I agree. And and you know, part of that truth too is is as much as the parents may want it for them, and as much as the child might be excited and wants to be out there. Um, and and I know you don't want to be a dream killer, but if you, I mean, you've been around the game long enough, you know when somebody has, um, you know, that underlying talent. They can, and that doesn't mean that they're going to be the next Annika or the next Tiger or whoever but that they, they have that drive and that, that sort of underlining instinct to, to, you know, to be a competitive golfer. And sometimes it's just not in the cards. And I know, again, maybe you, 
I'm just assuming, but I don't imagine you come out and say, look, you suck and you're not going to play and you're never going to make it on the tour. Um, but I think you are realistic in your analysis is, hey, golf is a great game, um, but maybe this direction of the, in the game is, is not up, you know, is not what's going to serve you well. Um, and it's just going to create further well, frustration. I, and I'm sure, sorry, go ahead. I, I believe that everyone should play in these junior tournaments locally. Want to work at the game? If you want, that's a big if. If you want to work at the game, or you want to play for high school, or or you enjoy playing, then yes, go play in U.S. Kids Golf tournaments. Yes, go play in Western New York PGA Junior Tour events, right? Go play in HJGT events. But again, you know, we've got a couple kids that are shooting in the 80s, and they want to write to D1 schools. And I said, you know, I wouldn't do that right now. They're not looking for a sixth person on a five-person team. I would right. let your clubs do the talking. Let's go fix your swing so you hit it straighter, so you score better. So when you break 78, they they want you. You are have a value to them. And, again, that's all I say to these kids. On the other hand, the ones that are going out and shooting 65 or 70 for nine holes, you know, still, you're still going to learn things. It's good for you to go play. The catch is you have to look in the mirror and say, why do I shoot? Why do I make doubles and triples? You know, what mm. just happened to make that happen? What did you do? And it's all about accountability and responsibility. The ball goes where the face points, and you're the one that's holding the club that makes the face point there. So, again, it's all about self-sufficiency and looking in the mirror, and then we can fix it. We can always fix it. The question mm. is, do you want to? So. Yeah, and, and you know, what's interesting, we, we've talked about this a couple times too on the show uh, over the years, is how many of the players, especially, and I'm referring again to the young ladies coming up off the Symmetra Tour, you know, how many out there grind it out every week and, and just play their hearts out and, and things just don't seem to fall into place. And then suddenly they just look at it from a different perspective and decide, you know what, I'm not going to be so hard on myself. I'm going to do what I, you know, I know I've got the, the gift to, to be out here and I've got the talent. And I'm just going to let things naturally progress. And that doesn't mean they just all of a sudden stop working on their game or start practicing, but they look at it from a different respect. They change their mindset. And lo and behold, I mean, you know, Cindy, you and I have, have had multiple, uh, you know, young ladies on the show who ultimately went on either the next week or within a very short period of time winning their first event, because now they're looking at things at a different, they're not, you know, heaping all of this uh, baggage on top of their shoulders and, and, you know, expecting themselves to win every week, even though that ultimately that's what they want to do is they're recognizing, you know, I'm out here to have fun. I enjoy what I do. And I, and, it, and it's uh, you know, a blessing to be here and I'm just going to go out and do the best I can. And obviously I want to be competitive and, and I want to, you know, do what I can to win. But if I don't win, I'm okay. Um, well, you know, clearly, I'm, I'm, I mean, look at the last two weeks with Sarah White. Yep. And Sophia Popoff, you know, Sophia's crying. Yep. She's got Lyme disease. She was going to quit. She lost her car. I mean, again, it's, you yep. know, like a, a country music song, you know, and then she wins. <laughs> so, again, it, it's like, do you have the will to stay with it and not give up? That's what this is about. Right, right, exactly. Um, and, you know, it it's uh, it's just one of those things I think, and and what I want parents to take away from this is be encouraging, be be supportive of that that you know child. Um, if if golf is a passion of theirs, if you've introduced them to the game or somebody else has introduced them, and you know they have a desire, let that desire blossom naturally. Don't force the issue and. First and foremost, connect them with somebody like a Cindy Miller and say, hey, you know, um, my, you know, my daughter, or my son has an interest in playing uh, golf. How can you help them? And you're going to know very quickly whether they're serious minded and want to be out there. And that doesn't mean, again, that they've, you know, got the tour in their mind. But if they if they're going to come out, because I'm, I'm sure you've had students that come out there and you know, you're trying to work through your programs and they're just not putting much effort in and it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of their time. So, 
you know, I, I think you want to encourage them and you want to be supportive, but let it take a, a more of a natural route and don't try to force it. And uh, don't be, you know, like so many parents that, uh, you know, followed their kids in soccer or baseball and, you know, they're a sideline coach and they're yelling out and doing that because that's not going to help. And that only brings uh, further anxiety. Um, and, and I think you would agree with that. I think that's probably one of the biggest problems in that area is, is that parents get sometimes over-involved and um, it doesn't make for, for a good thing. Um, just on a side note, I, I uh, received a message um, from the Symmetra Tour and uh, I think Fatima may have uh, got the timing or what have you uh, mixed up, but uh, they're unable to reach her at this time. So we've only got a few minutes left. So I think what we'll do is we will uh, work to perhaps reschedule her for another time um, but Cindy, I think uh, any any final thoughts that you want to make and and uh, or comments that you want to say, and and uh, then we'll wrap up. Or not? <laughs> did you mute? Did you mute yourself, Cindy? I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last two weeks have proven: don't ever, ever, ever give up. Right. Don't well ever said. Give up. All right. Well, I apologize uh, to everybody that uh, our second guest wasn't able to make it. Um, we'll see about getting her rescheduled for another week and, and let her come on and, and talk about her, her uh, win last weekend at the Iowa Championship uh, on the Symmetra Tour. But um, we're very grateful that Susie was able to ma- make it this morning. And uh, uh, we're certainly very proud of all of that she has done with the PGA of America and continues to do as, as its current president. And uh, I know that she's uh, excited to get out there and, and help others uh, as a teaching professional as well in uh, Palm Gardens, Florida. So uh, on that note, we want to thank her and uh, all of you for tuning in each and every week. And uh, we will see you next week here on the Women of Golf Show. On behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.